Right, so for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to consider who we are as a church. And in the past, when we've done this, we've gone over our purpose and our mission and our values, and I guess it couldn't hurt to get a quick reminder of those, uh, our purpose, uh, as hopefully you know by now, is to love God and love our neighbor. None of this is original. We're not very creative. We just went to scripture. Our purpose is to love God and love our neighbor. Our mission is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And then we have these four values. We're trying to become a people who are biblically literate, spiritually formed, mission focused, and gospel fluent. Um, we have this model for how we do church. We call ourselves both a gathered and a sent church. We are both types of church at the same time. We gather together to remember and to celebrate the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ and through the power of the spirit. We get together to equip and encourage each other so that we can walk in faithful obedience to Jesus. But our gatherings always end with us being sent out. We are a sent church, a sent people. We are sent out from this place into a lost and broken world armed with love and just, I believe, the best news that anybody's ever heard. So that's what we do week after week after week. Uh, in a few weeks, we're gonna start just a really short series on stewardship when we do that. We're not just talking about money, but we're also not not talking about money. Um, stewardship, it's just a conversation about the ways that God has prepared us to participate in the purpose and the mission of his church. So we'll do that in a couple weeks. But until then, for the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about the do's and the don'ts. But it's not what you think. This isn't about laws, it's not about the commands. We're gonna talk about what we do as a church and what we don't do as a church. And I'm gonna lay it all out for you right up front. Before I tell you, there are three do's and three don'ts that we'll talk about over the next three weeks. Uh, before I tell you these, I just wanna ask you to hang with me because you might disagree with me at first. But just let me make the case from scripture before you make a final judgment. Afterwards, if you still disagree, no problem. Feel free to call Roland and Sabrina and tell them all about it. Uh, but here they are. These are the do's and the don'ts that we're gonna talk about for the next three weeks. The first one, we equip, we don't empower. The second one, we encourage, we don't inspire. And like they were all ease except for inspire. So. All words are made up, we're just gonna change the spelling. All right, um, and then the last one, we exhort, which we'll explain what that means in a couple weeks, but we exhort, we don't entertain. So uh, let me first tell you this familiar story, uh, familiar to some of you, uh, it comes from the book of Acts, and then today I'm gonna make the case that we equip, but we don't empower. And the reason I say that is because it's the spirit of the living God that empowers us. It's God's own spirit living in and through us so that we can do the things that he's called us to do. So this is from Acts chapter two. Uh, Jesus is resurrected. He's appeared to his disciples. He's ascended to be in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. And the story continues with this. The disciples are huddled together in a small room and it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, utterly amazed, there were people from all over the known world, each of them speaking different languages. They said, aren't these people who were speaking, aren't they Galileans? And just so you're aware, that's just a way of saying, aren't they uneducated, right? How are they doing this? 
Uh, they go on to say, then how is it that each of them hears, each of us hears them in our own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? But some made fun of the disciples saying, they've had too much wine. <laughs> so Peter stood up with the 11 and he said, these people are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Peter's going to go right on and he's going to continue to preach this really impassioned sermon and he's going to present the whole gospel of Jesus. And then the story tells us that about 3,000 people accepted the gospel, were baptized and became a part of the church on that day. So we consider this passage, we consider this moment the birth of the church and it was accomplished by the power of Peter the apostle. <laughs> no. Good job. No. It was accomplished by the power of God in the form of his spirit that descended to be with them, to dwell within them, to empower them to proclaim the good news, to love and to serve others, to bring God's children home. Y'all, we don't empower. It's the spirit of God moving in and through us that gives us the power to to accomplish his purposes for our lives and for our church. Now listen, here's why this matters. And maybe I'm playing with words a little bit. Fair enough. But empowerment is a really popular word right now. And my concern is that it's just a word. And that it's just a word that just leads to more words. And nothing ever gets done. Y'all, we are not called by God to gather together, to sit around and talk about the powerful and transformative things that we could do. We're called to go and do them. And it's the spirit of the living God in us that empowers us and makes us ready for the work ahead of us. Amen? All right, so the question is, what does this look like? Like, how is this gonna play out? Well, the scripture told us the Holy Spirit empowers each and every one of us to stand on a street corner, to preach a sermon on the fly in other languages. And every time we do that, 3,000 people will convert, be baptized, and join our church. I mean, that would be amazing if that's how it worked, right? But it's like God never, he never takes the easy way. That's that's just not the way God designed it. In the New Testament, Paul writes about what he calls the fruit of the spirit. We've talked about that a lot. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now those nine fruit, they are all present and growing in the life of every follower of Jesus. You don't pick and choose your favorite. You might not be patient, (laughs) but if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit over time is growing that fruit in your life and making you more loving, joyful, peaceful, and yes, even more patient. That's the fruit of the spirit. But Paul and the other New Testament writers, they also talk about the gifts of the spirit, and this is different. Like all nine of those fruits are growing in every believer but each of us are gifted by the Spirit in different ways. 
Not some of us. Every single follower of Jesus, gifted by the Spirit, but in different ways. Like every person, every child of God, every human, they have gifts to share with the world, right? But followers of Jesus have something extra. That breath of God moving in and through us. So listen to this. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He tries to describe what this looks like. He says this. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So why do we have these gifts? For the common good, right? Okay, he goes on. He says, to one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So there are others also. Romans 12 talks about the gifts of teaching and exhortation, which again, we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. Uh, Gifts of service, of leading, doing administrative work, giving, and mercy. At the end of this today, I'm going to share with you uh, a couple links uh, to two spiritual gifts tests that you can take online to help you figure out your own spiritual gifts. Um, One of those tests, it actually describes 22 different gifts of the Spirit. All of them are rooted in Scripture. Listen, if we are going to succeed as a church, if we're going to be faithful to our purpose and our mission, y'all, we need every one of those gifts. But I'm telling you, we already have them. You already have them. We just need to learn how to use them. So we don't empower, the spirit does. Our job is to equip the people of God who are already gifted and empowered to equip the people of God to go and do the work, to hone the skills, to put those gifts to use, to exercise this incredible power that you have already been given. I remember the first time I drove a car. Um, Any of y'all like just recently start driving? Yeah, like really recently? Yeah, it's kind of a weird feeling, right? <laughs> yeah, like I remember the first time I ever like got behind the wheel, like I was terrified. You? Okay, you should be. If, the answer, if you said no, you weren't terrified, then we have to have a talk, all right? Because you need to be a little terrified. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was terrified. Like I'd never felt so unsure of myself. I mean, I can still remember what it felt like, especially that first time pulling onto the highway. <laughs> yeah, y'all remember that? Just to pull off like as soon as possible at the nearest possible exit. Uh, but, but over time, like I got more comfortable Um, And then came that moment when I was in the car by myself, pulling out of the driveway for the very first time, right? Still pretty nervous. But I can just remember, like, was smiling, this deep joy. Like, I was ready. And my life would never be the same because now I had this little piece of paper that allowed me to get behind the wheel of a half-ton vehicle and drive over to my girlfriend's house. And the, but the girlfriend ended up becoming my wife and I knew that she was legit into me because when I pulled into her house, it wasn't in like some sports car, it was in my dad's old beat up Ford pickup truck. <laughs> See, like, look, my teachers didn't give me the power to drive. I'd never sat behind a wheel of a car until I started driver's ed. 
but they didn't give me the power to drive. I already had it. Right? They weren't driving for me. It was my hands. It was my feet, my eyes, my ears, my mind, my coordination. I already had the power to do it. I just needed somebody to teach me, to prepare me, to show me how to do it well, how to do it safely, and I guess legally too. Like I needed some time to practice, to get comfortable. And over time, like today, it's like second nature. It kind of happens without really thinking about it. I would imagine my wife probably thinks I don't think about it enough. (laughs) But (laughs) that ability, that power, it's already there. It's already in you. So God puts leaders in the church to equip us to train us, to prepare us, and to teach us how to use that power. To put us behind the wheel, to let us take her out for a spin, eventually to send us out to lead and equip others on our own. You know, I can't count the number of pastors and elders and deacons and covenant partners, men and women from this church and from others who have equipped me, who put me behind the wheel, gave me the opportunity to grow so now I can come and serve and continue to grow and hone my skills along with you. That's what we do. This is how Paul put it in Ephesians 4. We talked about this over the summer. He says this, he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. But listen, what he writes next is really important. Like we're not given the keys so that we can go do donuts in the parking lots and tear up the road just for fun. There's work to do. There's a mission. And we are being made ready. And this is why the church needs leaders and programs to help equip the people of God so that you can use your gifts and service to the world. And if we do this job, Paul says that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Do you see the inference? He phrased that in the positive, but do you see the inference? What happens if we don't do the work? What happens if we don't prepare for the mission, if we don't hone our skills, if we don't put our spirit-empowered gifts to use? What's the inference? Adults start acting like children. Ever been in a church fight before? (laughs) Tossed around, easily deceived, misled. Easy targets for a crafty and cunning serpent who is hell-bent on getting us off mission and away from God as quickly as he can. Now these gifts from the Spirit, they reinforce us. They help to make us strong. They build our bonds between one another and they make us ready for the tests that are gonna come our way. Paul continues, he ends the section by saying this. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm not a huge fan of using military language in reference to the church, and that's not, not a slight against the military at all. We just serve very different purposes. Um, I've shared this with you before, but a friend of mine who was in the army, uh, he said this. He said, Chad, you gotta remember, the church is like an FOB. 
F-O-B. So make sure we're clear on the letters. The church is like an F-O-B, and I immediately asked, what's an F-O-B? Yeah. So uh, some of you may know an F-O-B, it stands for the forward operating base. Um, you might be familiar with it. The bottom line is that that's not the place where the mission is carried out. That's home base. That's the place where you go to get your gear, to get your orders, to be trained for the next mission. It's where to go when you have opportunities to eat and to sleep, to learn and grow, to relax even from time to time. It's the place you go to refuel so that you can be successful when the time comes and you're sent back out. Now that's what we do. We gather to worship, to learn and to train, to serve one another. We, we eat together. Today we get to do that. You notice the donuts aren't here. It's because we have breakfast in the fellowship hall. Make sure you go eat together after this. We get together just to relax, to play, just to enjoy time together. But we do it all because of the mission. All of that we do as a way of being made ready to be equipped to put our God-given gifts to use, our spirit-empowered gifts, to put them to use when we leave this place. And listen, Beth's whole story hinted at this, and I think this is really important because I don't think that we fully understand the power that God has placed in our hands. Like most of us were either born in or have become citizens of a country that, that just has such an incredibly powerful military that thankfully we are kept in relative safety from the real dangers in the world, right? We live in a country with this overwhelming military power unlike the world has ever seen. But can I tell you something? It's not the greatest power the world has ever seen. And like no offense intended, it pales in comparison. Like, listen to this, and this is amazing, and we should all sit in awe of the truth that Scripture is laying on us from the very beginning. This is Genesis 1 and 2. Beth hinted at this a minute ago. We're trying to understand the gifts of the Spirit. Where do we go when we're trying to understand something? Genesis. We go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And what? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and the story goes on, and creation, 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 creation. That Hebrew word for spirit is the word ruach. Guard your mouth and say it. Ruach. I just don't want you to spit on your neighbor. In other places in the Old Testament, that word ruach is the word for the breath of God. Genesis 2. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and did what? breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Y'all, the power, the breath, the spirit that brought form and order out of chaos is the same breath that God breathed into the lungs of humanity. When Christ was raised and ascended to be with God, that same spirit fell upon followers of Jesus, brought them back to life, empowered them to do the work God called them to do. Like, think about what that means. The same spirit that casts the stars into the heavens, that formed the oceans and the mountains, that same spirit lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and moves in you. Look, I don't want you to be too overly impressed with yourself, okay? But seriously, if you are in Christ, if his spirit lives in you, you have no idea how powerful you are. And so many of us just sit back and waste it. Maybe because we don't think we're ready, and maybe we're not. 
Maybe because we don't think God can use us. Maybe because there's too much shame and we think, how could God even love me, much less use me for his purposes? Y'all, this is why we need to be here. We gotta get over that. It's too much power. We gotta get off the couch and get to work. And listen, when I talk about power, I'm not talking about magic. Uh, Noah, throw up the series slide. Like some of you may have noticed that our series slide seems to be a reference to this dearly loved space opera. Um, <laughs> we have a, like just, where are we? Anyway, one of the houses right over there, uh, one of the guys texted me yesterday and he said, hey, I saw y'all sign. Subtle. <laughs> There's no deep meaning here. We just thought this would be fun. Okay. Um, I'm not talking about magic. I'm not talking about the force. Like I'm talking about real power. And I am telling you that you are empowered by God to love and heal and serve a lost and broken world. Can you think of anything else this world needs right now other than that? Okay, so now what? What do we go and do? Um, There's three things and they're really simple. The first one is come to church. Come to worship and every time we do this, I know I'm saying this to the people who are here, like you did. And many of you are here every single week. Some of you are here on occasion and some of you at home or listening to the podcast are here just when it's convenient. Come to worship, not just when it's convenient. Like I know there's been disruptions over the past couple years and it's gotten us out of the habit. And I know life is busy, there's a lot to do. I know we're tired. Sunday mornings can be an awesome time to just do nothing. For some, it's the only time we have to just do nothing. I get it. But y'all, I want to make the argument that if all of this is true, that's the phrase I want you to hang on to. If all of this is true, if Christ died for you, rose from the dead, and empowered you with the gifts, and called you to be an agent of service and healing to the world, if all of this is true, then I think this is the most important thing that you can do all week. And not just to come hear me or the band, to be together, to be equipped. It's the most important thing you can do all week. Serving and loving the world is the mission. Figuring out how to do that as a student at home, in the neighborhood, as a coworker, as an employee, as a boss, as somebody who's retired from their career, whatever you are when you're not here, you're on mission. But you can't do that mission, you can't serve and love and heal the world the way God intends if you're not ready, if you're not equipped with the tools you need to do it well. If you haven't practiced, if you haven't honed your skills. I'm learning how to play golf. Notice I didn't say I started playing golf. (laughs) because there's a very big difference between playing golf and what I'm doing. (laughs) You don't just walk out onto a court and start playing like LeBron (laughs) or pitching like Verlander or golfing like whoever the golfers are. (laughs) I don't even, I guess Tiger, right? I know Tiger. You've got to practice. You've got to hone these skills. So come to church, gather, not just when it's convenient, commit to it. Come especially when it's hard, especially when you don't want to. Gather together so that you can be sent. That's the first thing. The second one is be a part of a group. Find community here. Like maybe right now you're in a season where you need to be equipped in how to read and how to understand and apply the scriptures. 
That's great. Then find community in a Bible study. That's what our Bible studies are. They're not just informational, they're communities. And we have in-person and online every single day of the week. Maybe in this season, what you need right now are just people to eat with, to laugh with, to cry with. We have groups for that too. Our job is to help make all of these more accessible to you, to help you find your group. And we will continue to work hard to do a better job of that all the time. But your job is to say yes and to participate, not just when it's convenient. It's your job to commit. And I'm telling you, I think it's the most important thing that you'll do all week. And the final one is this. This is a little more practical. I want you to take a test. Everybody get your pen and paper, you ready? No. Go home today and I want you to take a spiritual gifts test. So here are two options if you wanna take out your phone. Oh, the images didn't come up. Okay, I had QR codes, so uh, don't worry about the QR codes. Uh, Just write down those two. Giftstest.com or spiritualgiftstest.com. Or you can email me or Sabrina and we can send you those links later today. But these are both, both free, they're both online, they're both easy to access. Like, take them both and see if you get consistent results. But if you've never taken an evaluation like this, I really encourage you to go home and do it and reflect on the results. Did you already know that about yourself or did it show you something that maybe you didn't know? And then just let us know how we can help, how we can better equip you, how we can serve you and help you hone those skills so that you can be a part of going out and serving a lost and broken world. Amen? Not too hard, right? It's hard, it takes commitment, but I think we can do it. Let's pray. God, again, just grateful. I'm grateful that you would use broken, lost people like us uh, to do your good and amazing work. Um, We feel like we say this a lot. um, If I was in charge, that's not how I would have done it. (laughs) Uh, But that's how you've chosen to do it, and you've promised to make us ready for the work. So just pray that you would give us the courage and the strength um, to say yes, to do our part, to trust you, to get over any shame or guilt or feeling of insignificance or insecurity, that we would come to believe that the creator of the universe looks at each and every one of us and says, not only that you are my child who I dearly love and I am pleased with you, but I got work for you to do. Just pray that this morning you'd help each and every one of us hear that sweet voice in our ears. Help us to get ready to do it. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.